This red carpet season, enjoy the award-winning entertainment you love with AT&T's Unlimited and More Premium Plan. Go to att.com slash unlimited to learn more. Hello, and welcome to The Awardist from Entertainment Weekly, taking you inside this year's best contenders for the industry's biggest awards. I'm your host, Shana Naomi Krokmal, the digital director at EW, and I am joined this week by EW senior writer and author of our awardist column, Pia Sinaroy. Hello, Pia. Hi. And EW's deputy editor, Bill Keith. Hi, Bill. Hi. Nice to have you back. Thank you. Uh, this podcast is part of our comprehensive awards coverage in the magazine, online, at EW.com. This week, it's our last episode before the Oscars themselves, so we've got last looks at all the controversies, what we're expecting to see on the 24th when the broadcast airs on ABC, what we think is going to happen, what we're more confused about than ever. We're also going to hear from a couple of producers of films nominated for Best Picture, Black Panther's Kevin Feige and Roma's Gabriela Rodriguez. Awesome. Welcome, Bill, Pia. Here we are. We've been doing this for <laughs> a little while. We've talked about these films so much, um, and now we are officially in the home stretch. Uh, but it seems like this broadcast, now that we're really, like, we've, you know, all the nominees are lined up, the, leader, the leading favorites have kind of emerged, even if there's been a lot of shifting in that. Most of the drama, I feel like, in the last couple of weeks has been about the broadcast itself. Mm -hmm. And, like, in this weird way, the Academy just cannot catch a break or keeps making it worse for themselves. Like, the host drama, the Kevin Hart drama, who's going to present, who's not going to present. Now, you'd think we'd have, be, like, completely out of things to talk about. But, like, <laughs> or, like, but it's like, didn't they already talk about that? But it's like, oh, actually, remember that thing we said? Well, now it seems like this is actually happening. I know. It's very weird. I mean, it's always sort of like that, but this year especially, there have been so many moments where we felt like things were a lock or, and then just like, yeah, it, it's really weird that the show itself has actually had as much controversy as it's had too. And it's just sort of like, I almost feel badly for the Academy because they, it's the, the mistakes seem to be coming from the right place sometimes. And then it's just like, they can't. It, yeah. So yeah. there's a reason, I guess, that like producers of the Academy Awards are also then like can be nominated for an Emmy because it is in and of itself mm -hmm. such a production. But, you yeah. know, this most recent sort of round of questions and controversy, the decision to have four categories presented and announced during commercial breaks with only 90 seconds of each winner's speech shown later in the broadcast did not go over well. The categories cinematography, film editing, live action shorts, and makeup and hairstyling. Like, I think part of what the Academy has said and what producers have said is, oh, we're just gonna cut out the part where, you know, we go through the list of nominees and everyone walking up to the stage and that takes so long and we wanna get the broadcast down. But uh, people were not into that. Well, it's just no longer an honor being nominated. <laughs> if you were nominated but didn't actually win, you will not even get, are you that's just not really getting mentioned point. in the ceremony? Yeah, that's a really good point. I um, mean, and they so said that rough. they would rotate through categories. Which I don't think this helped when they said, we'll rotate through categories in future years. I felt like that meant everyone was suddenly like, wait, so my category is also going to be subject to this next or year? Like, are they really just not going to have best actress? 
Yeah, I, I mean, I do think it's probably very likely that it's a, a certain, I think they said those four to six branches yeah. of the academy that had put forward, you know, their categories to be included in this rotation. Um, and I can't imagine Best Actress ever getting into that. <laughs> but you never know. Um, I, I do think, though, that um, so much of this has been a very reactionary um, sort of sequence of changes to the lowest ratings ever mm -hmm. in this past yeah. for last year's Oscars and ABC putting the pressure on them to create a more engaging show and in and all a shorter fairness show. a shorter show a tighter show a more engaging show like with movies that people actually want to tune in to see which by the way is what kicked off that whole popular film category debacle right. that came ahead of everything and already kind of set a precedent for you know this almost fire festival-esque situation <laughs> that's coming along with this um but I, I mean i don't think they anticipated so we're taping this on friday the academy was holding firm to its plans even though literally hundreds of filmmakers including spike lee brad pitt alfonso Cuaron, so many people signing on to an open letter that was started by the american society of cinematographers who we spent quite a bit of time talking about last week with ben mm -hmm. mankowitz actually and like a zillion different tweets. I mean, I think everyone I know, who cares I think, about movies honestly, is kind of an Academy armchair no Oscar way wanted to do this. And it, it really is just like, what do you want us to do, ABC? Like, I don't know Honor how we can achieve all yeah. of these things within the time frame that we have. Um, yeah. Like, and then they were just, they I mean, were there left. Are 24 categories right. that the Oscars gives out on Oscar night. And to put, to move four of them into the commercial breaks and tighten, I mean, it, it, you can see why they've done it. The fact is the four that they picked, obviously cinematography and film editing and makeup and hairstyling are all crucial elements to making a film. Funnily enough, no one's complaining about live action short. Not can I just all. say? Not even, no short. Let's be honest, not even live action short people. Yeah, no, that's right. I already kind of feel embarrassed to be up there at all. They're like, you? I know you've, no one in this room has seen my film. Right. Even though you all voted based on the titles. But, right. Uh, so you I think it would have been better if they had just moved all of these firmly into the separate ceremony? I mean, it, could it go the way of like how the Emmys do their creative arts Emmys versus mm -hmm. that could be something they look at doing in the future. I know the Oscars do do their SciTech Awards, yeah. which um, is really, it's a very interesting one to me. I, I was there this year. And it's a room filled with, you know, people who have achieved these incredible technical achievements that make the magic of film. Yet nobody knows. Like, who was the most name recognition person in that room? Um, David Oyelowo, who hosted. <laughs> like, also, none like, of the nominees are, are anyone that anyone knows. They're yeah. all the guys who, like, the guys who created Adobe Photoshop. Right. This is incredible. So grateful. Like, sure. Literally changed the industry. But nobody knows these guys. No. So. But if you have a whole thing devoted to that that it doesn't have the pressure of necessarily yes. a huge broadcast, then you can like properly honor these folks and I talk agree. about their achievements and like the, yeah. the people that created Adobe and it's like, and actually get into it rather than be like, and here's this category, let's quickly get through this. Yeah, you I know? agree. I mean, I actually really, I thought it's fascinating seeing, you know, we're talking a lot about, a lot of people have been talking about this Martin Scorsese film and how De Niro and Al Pacino are gonna be aged backwards. They showed us the technology that they, the, the technology they used to do that. Those people won an award and they showed a whole video and 
I was talking to those guys. It's fascinating. But at the end of the day, it's not television gold, so you can see why right. they do it separately. Mm. Now, is there a possibility, given that they already splash out on this big event two weeks before the, the Oscars ceremony, is there a possibility they could maybe choose to move a couple of these smaller categories into that mm -hmm. and therefore give it a bit more time and like recognition and have everyone be honored maybe, maybe. it's it's a possibility yeah. right i think it's also hard when you're talking about especially with cinematography and editing two categories that often directors are also nominated mm -hmm. in or that they are very like they have had careers where they did those jobs too yeah. so it's not i mean it's never like making a movie is truly a collective art but like in some cases it truly is like here is a person who also did this on the same film. Yeah. Right, true. Yeah. I mean, but the interesting thing too, thank thank goodness there isn't a host, because like, can you imagine the pressure of like every minute, everyone's gonna be watching every minute of the show and being like, really, is this the best use of our time? Instead, we could be honoring this person. Nice bit. Yeah. You know, so I'll be curious to see what the bits are. I because... mean, more than any other year, I feel like the armchair Oscar producer oh community is is loud and proud this year. Like everyone, Seriously. us included, I'm sure, are like, here's what you should be doing. Here's and like, are they being, better. like, what are they doing at the in memoriam reel? Like, are they like, It'll be 12 you seconds. like, they, like they <laughs> like limit it to 10 people? Like, it, yeah. I, it's like, um, I, I do not envy anyone involved in yeah. this broadcast. And yet no. in the moment, like, I feel like the people getting cut off or played off is the most egregious and feels like the most painful, right? Especially because, as we keep bringing up, Glenn Bice, one of the producers of the telecast, was the guy who proposed on the Emmys yeah. stage <laughs> and created one of the biggest talking Took like five minutes. <laughs> like, literally <laughs> proposed on stage to his long-term girlfriend, went on for ages, right. like, like you're that the one happen. who so intimately knows how this is screwing with the podcast. And yet makes the, a great the moment in a broadcast. telecast. The best and worst producing move in like television. It was just a funny thing. was kind of great because he's like, yeah. I know what this is doing and I don't care. I'm going for it. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty awesome. Exactly. Yeah, so I wonder, I, I actually do think all of this now though is setting a precedent for for people, I would not be surprised if someone then chooses to go a little rogue yeah. on Oscar I'm, night think, on the stage, do right? Do you think more people, whatever that number looks like, will watch now because of this? Or do you think that for the casual viewer who's like, I just want to turn this on and see if Brad Pitt gets up and talks for some reason, like yeah. that now they're just like, I don't know, I heard there's no host, it feels like a mess. Like, I, I, I mean, some I feel like people who are like, Real Hollywood nerds are like, well, now we have to watch because who knows what's going to happen. Yeah. But I can't tell. I feel like that might I be a real minority. I think the mess element of, of it is actually why people like to tune in, in all totally. honesty. Like, if you're not doing anything else on a Sunday night and you know that there's been a lot of stuff going wrong with the Oscars yeah. so far, you might be curious to be and like, totally. like setting aside the controversy of the actual nominee. But like, <laughs> the other cool also. thing is, like, last year, I mean, I remember being at the Oscars and it wasn't like, the average viewer at home was like, oh man, I can't wait to see if Shape of Water takes down three billboards. Yeah. But like, there are people who are like, I cannot wait to see Black Panther at the Oscars. Right. Like, and so yeah. I think that will drive yeah. tune in because yeah. people are so legitimately excited about this moment I agree. for that and then movie. I, think I hope anyway. I think so. I think Black Panther, you can't rule out Star is Born, yeah. you can't rule out Bo Bohemian Rhapsody. Totally. These three films were some of the biggest films at the box office. Even without that people. popular category, we ended up with some very popular The, uh, the yeah. Oscars actually lucked out this year because yeah. they, they failed with that popular category. But funnily enough, we have these great films in the mix.
Yeah. And, uh, they couldn't use that fake that. category last year. <laughs> yes, this year they, they didn't actually need it when they tried to do it. While watching the Grammys, I was kind of imagining, because the Grammys, you know, there were a couple of different people this year who had some real shady things to say about the Recording Academy on stage, which right. is not yeah. that unusual for the Grammys. Not at like, all for people the Grammys. People at the Grammys are like, thanks for the prize. Here's how you're messed up. But right. that's not something that you see, generally speaking, at the Oscars. Like, even with sort of like Natalie Portman's yeah. like offhand comment about the male directors, like that was an extremely mild burn, right? Like that was that was at the Globes. It was at the Globes. Yeah, Sorry, and, yeah. and, and so, I think also like everyone recognizes the Academy is doing a course correct. They're working yeah. very hard to do that, yeah. and there is a recognition that that sort of thing takes time. The, but I'm curious yeah. to see if we'll we'll get any more shade at this year's. <laughs> like, yeah, I, think, I think it um, would be shade at the at the telecast more. Yeah, at, I think so. Than like actual practices. Yeah. You'll probably have people like, you know, making sly comments about being cut off or, you know, I don't have enough time to do this, but I'm going to try kind of thing, you yeah. know? And, yeah. uh, and I do think, you know, depending on who wins cinematography or, or film editing, like I think I'm they excited. Could use that I time. Will say, I'm very excited. I get to be in the room this year. Bill's going to be there too. I'm excited to see what happens in those breaks with those speeches. Yeah. Right now. Because I know I might not even go to the bar during commercials. No, please <laughs> don't. Please don't. Please stay in your seat and tell us what Jen happens. I don't think Jennifer Lawrence will be going to the bar <laughs> even in commercials. No bathroom breaks. No bar everyone's breaks. Everyone's going to be like glued Day. to their seats. So yeah. um, I'm curious to see how the room responds mm -hmm. um, given this level of like outrage obviously at this choice mm -hmm. um, I, I, I don't necessarily feel bad for the Academy I just think that they knew they had to make changes I don't necessarily know if they've got the best guidance within their sort of inside board to make the best changes but they're trying they're doing their very right. best to try and accommodate try and make an engaging show and they've had to do it very quickly you know it was only last year they had the lowest ratings they had to implement mm -hmm. things very quickly um, and there's been other things that have come along the way like John Bailey, the president of the Academy, did actually face some allegations of, of misco misconduct earlier in the year last mm -hmm. year. So funny, this year has been a really rocky one for his tenure at the Academy. Yeah. And also just in general, like the industry and how it's changing and yeah. how it needs to be reflected on Oscar night. So and for all of the pressure around ratings and ratings going down, it's still one of the most watched live events of the year. Like, yeah. especially international, yeah. right? Like, you talk even, about how the, the ratings are yeah. terrible, and yet, like, it's still huge. After, like, all the it's different the Super Bowls and the sporting after events, Super it Bowl, is. Yeah. So it's the most televised, uh, yeah. most watched event after Super Bowl. Olympics, if there's an Olympics here. But, like, once you right. get yeah. out of the sports territory, yeah. this is still, that's why there's the pressure. Yeah. Um, I mean, my, my other big question is, so this year at the Emmys, speaking of the bar, they changed the rules <laughs> so you could bring your drink back to your seat. Like, are they going to do that at the Oscars this year, too? Oh, these are the burning questions. And it, I, I, have to say, have I have on. to say, it really changed the tone of the Emmys. Because it was just weird. You were looking around, and people like, literally had popcorn and like their drinks. This is for those of us in the cheap seats, because you can't do that like down front. <laughs> But I was like, everyone was like, just acting like they were on their couches at home. Uh, just like odd. popping popcorn, just, like, literally eating, myself drink. included. And I was like, if my mom could see me now, she would murder me. How dare you in a tux? Yeah. Oh. I, I've got to say, it's uh, it's kind of funny to just be in those. You're all dressed up 
to the nines, but obviously, you know, we are in the very yeah. back and the camera's not on us. It's making me wish I was going. I'm normally so happy to be back totally. in the office, like running this all of that, one, figuring it like, out. This is the one where being in the room will be more interesting. I'm, this is my first year getting to be in the room and I can't tell you actually how excited I, I am wait to for all of your reports witness back. all of it. And we will make sure that we feed you back yes, all the, the color. the Slack will be crazy. We will have all that coverage on EW.com as it's happening. Mm. Um, one of the things I was kind of thinking about as we got down to this final push before the Oscars was about how both like from thinking about the telecast and in general, the, the way we end the ceremony every year with the best picture prize. And we've really been talking about that from the, you know, the virtues of the film itself, right? And, and how great a film Roma is or what is the chance a Black Panther might win and mm -hmm. like really thinking about it as the craft. But it, as I was thinking about the telecast more, I, I got kind of fixated on the fact that it's so anticlimactic off in that moment because often the last people who we hear from, other than when there is a host, the host saying like, thank you, good night, is often someone we don't know because producers yeah. are nominated for and accept the best picture prize. And it doesn't mean other people aren't swarming the stage, but often like that last sort of moment or yeah. speech of the night might be someone who the vast majority of viewers and sometimes even people in the room are like, who is that person? Right. Uh, why, why are they the ones saying thank you? And you know, there's a lot happening I went back to watch like the last 10 years of like best picture acceptance speeches. And I would, my takeaways are, uh, there is always like one person who is seated way back and who like arrives on stage after people have already started talking. Yes. There are always, there's like that mix of, you know, there'll be the handful of stars who you do recognize from the film. There is always mass confusion. Mm -hmm. I feel like maybe, I don't know if this is a like, no one wants to jinx it. No one, no one seems to have a plan. Like yes. no one arrives on that stage with a clear idea of who is going to speak and what in what order. I don't know if they're like nervous about it or if they are just so overwhelmed or they're so exhausted or drunk by the end of the night. I didn't see a single one where I was like, these people had a plan. They I had a list of who goes first and they got up there and did it. I don't think there is any way to even imagine how that moment must feel. But I think yeah. the I, I, I can't imagine there's any way to prep for it. Yeah. Even if you in your mind are like, right, I'm going to win. I've got my speech ready. I'm here's Lisa, my beeline. Yeah. I'm doing it. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Like at least if it's just you, like right. as whatever category you know, independent, you're like, you win, here are I my two options. Here's yeah. my options. I'm not winning. I'm winning. If I'm yeah. winning, I, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. But it's like, if we win, like, should I talk to like Rachel and Mark and Bob and like figure out what we should do if we win? And then yeah. we're all going to be losing our it's minds and, the have hug it, and then the hug fest. The hug like, fest gets in there yes. and derails everything. I. I think I, it's kind of fun actually to see yeah. them all losing their minds and not get up there yeah. and like have the thing yeah. they meant to do. I also think this is something that I do. People never really think about the producers of a film, but when you're working in film, the producers are the ones mm -hmm. who make all of it happen. Mm -hmm. um, and quite often you'll see, you know, certain more famous filmmakers, you know, they all also be producing their movies in the case right. of like a lot of Alfonso directors Cuadro. are also producers. Yeah, like Bradley Cooper, yeah. of course, is producer. But but really the fact that Best Picture honors, you know, the the producers of the film and they're the people to get on there at the very end of the night. 
that's more, I think that's actually a nice thing to do as part of the film it, community. Mm -hmm. It is oddly a moment that actually puts the spotlight on the right person. Yes. Which like yeah. so rarely happens. Never generally. So. Yeah. Right person like in but, yeah. principle, but always sort of like a strange, can be a strange moment. Yeah. Of the ones I went back and watched, I was struck by, so like when Ben Affleck, when Argo won Best Picture, there was like that real moment because he didn't, he hadn't even been nominated as a director. Yeah. And his, his co-producer, Grant Heslov, like, thanked him in a very pointed way and very much called out the fact that he hadn't been nominated. George Clooney, who was also a producer, did not speak, and then Ben Affleck did speak. I think often of it's nice. Like, I it. don't know that that would happen this year, but usually when like there's a very famous person who's also a producer, they tend yeah. to defer to the people who aren't always up on the stage. Yes. I don't know if that would happen this year, say, if well, there were stars born. I don't know about that. I will say Brad Pitt, who has been nominated, I didn't realize totally. this as a producer yeah. four times, yeah, yeah. including for this year involved. as Vice, was you know, one of my questions as I went back to look at these was basically does the white guy always talk even if it is not a film about a white man's experience? And Brad Pitt won the prize to me for really like as 12 Years a Slave won in 2014, he said the briefest thank you. I mean, I think sometimes I feel like the actors are the least intimidated by suddenly being in front of an audience of people and having to speak. And so I can see how they sometimes gravitate toward everyone is hugging and freaking out. I know how to speak to a crowd. I'll just start talking because I can tell the producers are like, why isn't someone talking? Right. Brad Pitt said a very quick thank you. And then immediately was like, this is the man, Stephen Queen, you have to hear from him. Right. And like handed that off very and gracefully. And a lot of this is to do with the fact that like a Brad Pitt, George Clooney, Ben Affleck, when they're attaching their name as producer, really it's the clout of their name. They're not necessarily acting as a full producer, whereas right. the other people they're working mm -hmm. with that you don't know their names so much are probably the ones who are doing the kind of the bulk of the work. Yeah. Uh, may, and maybe that, I'm just speculating here, maybe it is equally split, but either way, quite often like the more famous of those people know they already have that spotlight. Yeah. This is yeah. a moment to recognize the work of people that so often does get overshadowed. They're also probably the ones who are most keenly aware of that they will be judged for how they act in that moment, right? Like, I, I, I don't mean I that totally in a cynical that, way. Yeah. I just mean like George Clooney knows anytime he is on a stage, he opens his mouth or he doesn't open his mouth, someone's yeah. gonna have something to say about that mm -hmm. in a way that when you are not used to being in the spotlight, mm -hmm. you may not think about as much. I was also, you know, this is, sort of been the biggest moment of recent history, but going back to the year with La La Land and Moonlight, yeah. I, you know, I think a lot of people rightly gave Jordan Horowitz kudos for how calmly he handled that. Like, there were other producers on stage who thought that they had won, and then there was the one guy who was like, oh, by the way, we lost, and Jordan sort of stepped up to the mic and held up the envelope and apologized and was like, I'm sorry, there's a mistake, you guys yeah. won, Moonlight, yeah. this is not a joke. Come That's and he also was like, like a producer, about it. right? To be like, totally. Totally. so here's a huge, huge problem. Totally. I am dealing with this, it is fine. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And I will say, and by the way, that moment, because um, I will say Jordan has actually become a pretty recognizable yeah, name totally. in yeah, Hollywood. Because of that. <laughs> because he, and he's he's capitalized on that. He's he's clearly an upstanding guy when you look at like how he uses his platform. The fact that he did that, mm -hmm. it's a small moment, but he really did actually it's even uh, the way that his character. Off, I mean, that was just that will go down as one of the oh. most. I'm almost surprised some ad campaign like Super Bowl ad didn't pick him up. And <laughs> he just went through a series of thinking he got something and did it. I wonder if like, he got approached. Know, like, yeah, can you imagine? <laughs> it would be pretty funny. It Maybe would be a little funny. inside baseball, but still. Um, I do think though that uh, when it comes to the producer, there are there are certain people like this year. Quite honestly, hypothetically, if Black Panther does win, Kevin Feige is the 
he's the guy of Marvel. Like, yeah, yeah. Nice him. And, and not guy. to like get too ahead of ourselves, but our colleague Anthony Bresnahan did actually get into this really oh, specifically with Cabot. Like he asked, he if you want to know if Black Panther wins, does Kevin think he is the one who should speak? Keep listening. It's going to be in the back half of this. <laughs> so podcast. no spoilers. No spoilers. But, but he, they really talk about it. And, I, and I'm that fascinated. Was, yeah, I think was. you've got to look at what the spotlight of the film is. Like I do think, again, if like if Roma wins, this is Alfonso Cuarón's movie. Sure. It's his movie through and through, uh, and he did produce it as well. And and I imagine and if he wins for cinematography, the poor thing won't be able to get presented <laughs> yeah. an award for it. Exactly. I mean, it, I imagine he will probably want to make. Yeah, some kind of a speech, but also, like we are speaking to to Gabriella as well, and you know this is a moment where I think she's the first Latina woman to be nominated as a producer. Yeah, for Best Picture, and would if they were to the win, how can he not give her a moment? As I would well, hope you know? so. Totally. So I was really one. I have to say, if you're going to go back and watch on YouTube a Best Picture producer acceptance speech, mm -hmm. also the director, but I really recommend from 2015 when Birdman won. Alejandro Inarito gave a speech talking about both, like he, he gives a lot of love to other Mexican directors, which is great, yeah. and to people in Mexico and to immigrants yeah. from Mexico to the US. This was 2015, it was, it was very emotional to watch. It was both painful because there was this moment that it felt like a very prescient speech, but it was also like, this was before things got even so much worse and that was the rhetoric and that debate. And it's, there is a brief moment actually where he hands it off to Michael Keaton, who, does, who is not a producer, but is standing on stage and who also gets himself out of the way very quickly. And mm -hmm. is just like, this is you, you're great. Thank you everyone. <laughs> Thanks for right. coming. It is great to be here. It's amazing. It's worth going back and looking up. I think just as context, I think particularly if Roma wins, um, that that's sort of has its own kind of lineage. It's been a kind of, I mean, if Roma does win, I think we're getting a really kind of great succession of these brilliant Mexican mm -hmm. filmmakers. Totally. Yeah. Like with Inaritu, uh, obviously last year Guillermo del Toro, and, and now if Alfonso wins. Yeah. I, I think it's. And these guys all nice love it. each other so much. They do. Yeah. They, all, they, they, like think, they think each other every time they win, just like for but being around also, and existing. It's I have great. to say, actually genuinely some of the nicest people I've ever yes. encountered and like so fantastically eloquent mm -hmm. about the way they speak about everything no question has ever been off limits to any of them which I love and if anybody ever has a chance to get Guillermo del Toro to tell you a ghost story in person uh, that man will give you like you will get goosebumps oh, from a creepy that story that he can tell within two minutes oh, so. he's the best <laughs> yeah, I love these guys when we come back, uh, we'll hear Pia talk to Roma producer Gabriel Rodriguez, and then we will also hear from Black Panther producer Kevin Feige. And we'll have a quick moment to take our last round of bold takes, our predictions. Um, so stick around. This red carpet season, enjoy the award-winning entertainment you love with AT&T's Unlimited and More Premium Plan. Get unlimited data and live TV, plus your choice of one of seven premium add-ons like HBO, Cinemax, or Pandora. Go to att.com unlimited to learn more. After 22 gigabytes per line per month, AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds when the network is busy. Note that video may be limited to standard definition. Choose one premium add-on only. Content programming, and channels subject to change. Additional usage, speed, limits, and other restrictions apply. 
Welcome back to The Awardist. I'm Shayna. I'm here with Pia and Bill. Uh, this is it, you guys. This is our last podcast before the Oscars. We've been talking since November. We've been trying to make some bold predictions and have some bold takes, um, even when things were very theoretical. Now we're down to these last looks. So for each of you, what is one more big prediction you have for what we're going to see on the 24th when this telecast actually airs? Or, I mean, at the rate that things have been happening between now and then. I'll accept anything in these categories. <laughs> <laughs> that might be too what much to handle. Who knows? Oh, God. Sudden right. surprise host. Um, Bill. I mean, I'd like to circle back to my first bold prediction to give myself credit for Cold War. Uh, Single-handedly launched Cold War out of obscurity. I did. Into... I did. I'm responsible for its nomination for yeah, the director. Good job. Thank you. Um, would it be weird if like everyone decided to put all their votes behind Roma for Best Picture and then put because isn't Cold War nominated for Best Foreign Film? Yes. So that would be interesting if it doesn't win Foreign Film but wins Best Picture overall. I think that would be. It's not nominated for Best Picture. It's just nominated for Best Picture. No, I mean, if Roma wins Best Picture and Cold War wins Best Foreign Film, I I would like that. I would love that split. Yeah. Rather than Roma, because we did determine Roma can win both. Roma can win both, but no foreign film has Has ever won both. Uh, Correct, yeah. No foreign film has ever won Best Picture, so. Yeah. So this would be the first time it won both, I guess. If it does, then If it yes. wins Best Picture, yeah. sorry. So I would kind of like it if my Cold War still got to win Best Foreign Film and Roma could win Best Picture. That would, I would be very yeah. pleased with that split. Yeah, and you, you were really out there for that film from the beginning. I know. It's and beautiful. it doesn't, it's, it's rough. It's rough. It's a real brutal Star is Born. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So I truly, honestly feel like I have never been more confused as we're about a <laughs> right. week out from the Oscars. Uh, in covering this so much week by week, I thought by now I would have honed in, and it's actually just imploded. And I now have no idea. Like no. I, anyone could win. If someone anything. told me that you know Marina de Tavira is going to win supporting actress, I would believe it right, right. now because I just don't know. Um, it's really fascinating because I think. I do, I do think that the Oscars are going to be. I don't think one film is going to sweep. No, um, no, no. I do think that the categories. Everyone's very conscious of like, really spreading the love this year because it, there have been so many great movies. I think we are going to probably see shallow take original songs. So we get the Bradley and Gaga moment on stage. Whether they'll get to go back up on stage again, though, I don't know because. Certainly when it comes to like best picture and the actors, I mean, those are being real split between things like the favorite. Um, I've got to say like, there's been a surge for Olivia Coleman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which, which is, I, uh, to, yeah. To, to, I mean, like she's fantastic. But so we felt so sure, but yes. like after the Golden Globes, we were like, this is it, this is Glenn Close's year. This is gonna happen. And right. now there is more of a question. Yes, it's, so. And it, I have watched The Wife twice now. <laughs> Mostly because I really like the wallpaper in their hotel suite. <laughs> Great wallpaper. It's amazing. I like took a snap of it on the plane and like wrote a note to myself. <laughs> find production designer. Find wallpaper designer. Find wallpaper. Did you? Indeed. I haven't gotten there yet. Is this what your new look? You're yeah. gonna get. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm turning this my apartment. This is what Bill's gonna do at the Oscars. I'm gonna find the production designer and be like, we need to talk Hi. about the wallpaper because <laughs> I need to turn my apartment into the suite from the wife. That's such a weird aspirational look for but I like okay. it sure yeah I mean I once at the Oscars approached Tom Hooper and asked him if he could paint my apartment because I love the blue and the <laughs> and, and I so. really hope he said yes he did he said he would he said he told me he would bring his star who was also standing there 
He was like, we will do it together. <laughs> How has this not happened yet? I don't know. We're Maybe he to... wasn't serious. Why did we do one? a whole episode just of you telling stories of conversations you've had at previous award shows? Oh, yeah. I think there's a whole series of that. <laughs> <laughs> I think quite. All about the decor of my apartment. <laughs> all, you're like, all of this is actually about me and my apartment. Yes. That's fine. Um, so yeah, in terms of, I, I don't even know where I'm at with a bold daycare. I'm just, right. I'm so perplexed really at this stage, but if my bold take could just be that uh, I don't think, sorry, Sean Penn, but A Star Is Born is not going to sweep <laughs> the Oscars. That's right. as, as much take. as you really want it to. Yeah, Sean Penn, I don't I think apologize. it's going to sweep. I don't think it's going to sweep. I, I do think we're going to see an interesting split with Roma. Mm -hmm. um, I don't necessarily think Alfonso is going to win in all the categories that he could be a front runner in. Uh, and I think Spike Lee has gotten quite a good sort of surge in the best director race. So we I like the surges moment. that are happening. Yeah, I do. It's all like great news. Yeah, yeah. And, like the surges are important right now because this is the voting period. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So people are now filling out their ballots and they've got to get them in in the next week. Oh, I'm sure so everyone in the academy, period. like they just do that that first week, right? They're so <laughs> totally on top of it. They're, they're like, what? I've had that in the mail for a couple of College applications, postmark date. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine there's it's a like lot of people who Midnight. are going to be um, binging through screeners yes. uh, this weekend. It's the best case scenario. So, yeah. yeah I, or just picking the ones <laughs> that they recognize a name for or know, know the most famous person, and who knows. But, uh, yeah, so I, I've got to say I feel bad I don't have a better bold take. I'm just frazzled at this point. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I feel like I think we all have more questions than we did. I think I'm. I love all your bold takes because I feel like they're very optimistic, and I feel like there's a part of me, <laughs> probably the part of me that like used to work in politics, that has this like very cold, cynical, assume the worst case scenario, which is like Green Book wins everything. I mean, I want Mah like Mahershala okay. is great, but I think like for me the like what I'm worried is that we're going to end up in this moment where all of the sort of problematic right. situations come like are still what wins and and i think if green book wins it's it's very likely because yeah. people are still yes. people as a film it's a very heartwarming film it's you know it's got all the things that you know you can expect out of a best picture but it's also a very safe choice in a yeah. year where risky choices probably should yeah. be more right. honored and i think um but I, I just again like i think maybe if mahershala wins I think that would be yeah. the best, that would, that would that would be be the best yeah. case for everyone. Yeah. Like, my, let's see. Don't my rule out Adam Driver. <laughs> that's I know, true. That's, that's true. That he's also been getting a late surge. A lot of people. Because again, I think actually people finally saw it, to be honest. That like, too. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people are finding it coming across Black Klansman. And also, a lot of people are connecting to the Adam Driver character in there. And I've spoken to people who are like, can you imagine being mm -hmm. in a room filled with Nazis and like, that right. feeling and weirdly that's that's the performance that is yeah. connecting to them so who knows yeah also the optimistic version of my bold take will be if Alfonso Cuaron wins and we get to have like a real conversation about I think for years like this idea of like American film was also like American plus British film and if instead we can start have a, having a conversation that is about American plus Mexican film mm -hmm. I think I would know. be amazing and I think yeah. we're so like we are or sort of already in that moment but a further win, I think, could maybe help push forward that idea that we know these narratives are so entwined for us as Americans. 
And it would be great to see that recognition. And honestly, like, I, not to give Netflix all the credit in the world, but it also, like, that opens up the possibility of a, a platform like Netflix being able to get a movie from a foreign yeah. country-wide mm -hmm. distribution that people were not, didn't have access to if you weren't in, going to the Angelica in New York or mm -hmm. you lived in L.A. And mm -hmm. so the fact that, like, Cold War, if that was a Netflix mm -hmm. movie, like, a lot more people would have seen that movie if yeah. it were a Netflix yeah. movie, and then it could have had more buzz around it. So, like, I think that could be a really awesome take from this year. Yeah. All right, as we get down to the end of this best picture, we talked to two of the producers who were nominated this year, Marvel president Kevin Feige, who produced Black Panther, and Gabriela Rodriguez, who produced Roma. Uh, Pia talked to R Roma's Gabriela. She runs Alfonso's production company. I learned she started as an intern and was like a personal assistant to him, going back to Children of Men, and then was an associate producer on Gravity and now is the first Latina who's nominated as a producer for Best Picture. So that's quite a career trajectory to have had and to help, you know, make, I can only imagine that he is challenging as all great directors are to produce. Uh, so take a listen to this conversation. We're about a week out from the Oscars. Uh, how are you feeling? Oh, super excited. I am so honored to um, to have this film be nominated in so many categories mm -hmm. and that we're all going to be there to celebrate together uh, this journey or the end of this very long <laughs> three years we've been embarked on. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, this has been, this is it's certainly just, you know, even with the rollout of the film, you guys have been going nonstop since uh, Venice Film Festival in August. So how, how are you just doing with that element of it all from August to now? Uh, that's this definitely feels like it's been a bit of a marathon. It's been actually incredibly rewarding and exciting. Mm -hmm. um, I never thought to be honest, that the film was going to be received the way it's been received all over the world. Yeah. And that's amazing. I mean, I just feel that the public embraced it from the very beginning and the mm -hmm. critics and then, you know, this next amazing set where the guilds and the academies um, have also supported the film. So it's been amazing, really surprisingly amazing. Yeah. Well, um, seeing as we are a week out, uh, this is a great time to, to talk to you. Uh, Roma's, of course, going into the Oscars with 10 nominations across the board. Um, how did that feel uh, when you saw how many nominations the film had received? Incredibly honored. I mean, I, I love the film and I love the process and I am, I am very... Um, uh, you know, uh, amazed and grateful about having had that experience, and and then to have you know the academy receive it so well and having yeah. members voting for it the way they have. I mean, it's, it's an honor to have your colleagues and people that work with you and understand how the process works, recognize your work. Mm -hmm. So it's incredible. It's amazing. Well, speaking of uh, speaking of the journey here, uh, I kind of love your story. So uh, let's get into that. You started uh, working for Alfonso Cuaron in his New York office as an intern. Is that correct? Yes, I was in about almost fifteen years ago. Wow! I started 
started as an intern for a couple of months, and then I became his personal assistant. Mm-hmm. And we moved to London uh, for Children of Men. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of stayed here. Um, I also uh, had an office in New York, and then we opened the office here in London, and I started running the office, and eventually, you know, produced drama with him. So it's been a really long, exciting, and uh, interesting journey, I guess. Well, I think that's that's such an awesome journey to have where you really have worked from the ground up with him. Um, so tell me what it's like. I'm sure everyone's curious. What is it like to work for Alfonso Cuaron? Oh, well, it's, uh, it's rewarding in many ways because he's incredibly talented and he's been very, very kind to me and encouraging mm-hmm. and, and always pushes me to do my best, mm-hmm. but I, I teach him all the time that because this has been the only sort of professional job I've had by his side, even though I've changed roles along the way, I'd always tell him when he tells me that, you know, like he gets upset that I've done something wrong, it's, yeah. you know, everything I know, he taught me, so if I did it wrong, he taught me wrong, if I say for the good stuff, right, so he can take the phrase and the criticism all at once. <laughs> I mean, that's always good when you can sort of point a finger like that. And, uh, and But he, he must be, I imagine, I would love to ask you kind of, because he's the one person you have stuck with and worked solidly with, you know kind of the ins and outs of how he works. Um, what is perhaps the most surprising thing about his work process? Um... Well, he's got so much perseverance and, mm-hmm. and he really is, he's incredibly demanding in a good way, in mm-hmm. an exhausting way as well, of course. <laughs> and from the moment, you know, even when I was his personal assistant, the things he would ask me to do, I would be like, oh my God, can you please, you know, can you let it go <laughs> for a second? And he doesn't. He's really, he's really specific on the things that he wants and he, right. he asks. And as a producer, it's the same thing. Like, the things that he wants and needs in order to accomplish the work that he does is so specific and 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 he pushes all of us yeah. um, for you know pretty much to give 120 percent mm-hmm. because he also gives 120 percent he's the first one in last one out mm-hmm. he works all hours of the day he really gives it his all so it's encouraging and it's it's inspiring when you're with him and yeah we all get exhausted and yes it's it's uh, incredibly challenging at times, mm-hmm. but when you have sort of, let's call him like the leader of the team working so hard and and honestly showing you that you don't give up and keep on finding the solutions to all the problems, mm-hmm. it, it helps, you know, it encourages, it gives you sort of um, the strength you need to carry on. Yeah. Well, so actually that I'm curious, what is the most challenging thing he requested for Roma that you had to find for him? Wow, he requested so many things. Like, <laughs> like everything was challenging. Even from the smallest details, um, the, the smallest things turned out to be sometimes the hardest to, to, to give him. Mm-hmm. But there were things like, um, you know, like there's a scene where we have hail, and, and he didn't like the hail that was available, and we ended up making hail in the office. Oh. <laughs> we had the entire production office 
cabs, the drivers, everybody that wasn't doing anything at a given time was making hail. It's just to give him the hail that would look and sound and, and be the right kind of hail. And that level of specificity, something right. that maybe nobody else would have noticed, but right. he was adamant that it had to be that way. And that applies to everything. Um, mm-hmm. I remember in Children of Men that he, you know, the boots of the sort of army men that one of the scenes, he didn't, he didn't think that they were dusty enough or it wasn't the right dust. Yeah. So we had like, to remember the entire team like changing that so that it resembled the right dust on the boots. Wow. Um, in Roma also, like the, the dog poop yeah. is that, that you speak everywhere in the film. <laughs> it was also an amazing, like the super challenging to get it right. We kept saying it's not the right color, it's not the right texture. I kept laughing because our flop guy kept coming in with like trays of different colored label crews. But I told him to feel like that was the right dog poop. And then the one he finally liked, the dog started eating it. It was like, how did he make the dog poop and eat the dog poop? Oh my goodness. Those things, you know, they seem, you know, they seem small and, and minute but there was a big deal uh, when wow. you're you know in Alfonso um, options uh, that that detail alone is amazing um how funny to, to I'd love hearing about kind of the the making of these things and as a producer you people don't necessarily always realize how much you have to do um so I, I always think that's really fascinating. What do you feel, uh, given that you are, you know, you work so closely with Alfonso, what did you feel you were able to bring uniquely as a producer to Roma? I think that Roma, in Roma specifically, I had the advantage that I knew Alfonso the best. You know, I feel like I have a PhD on Alfonso Cuaron, and most <laughs> of our team uh, were working with him for the first time, mm-hmm. um, and many of them were working on a film set for the first time. Right. Um, right. So that was something of beautiful of this process, where uh, not only the cast, most of them were first-time actors, yeah. but some of the crew as well. And he was in this process, a typical as it may be, to the organic way in which we built it. It was more about I want the crew and I want the cast that's going to give what mm-hmm. they need to do. I don't, I don't care that they're the most established or the most famous or the most well-known. Mm-hmm. I just want those who are going to embark in this adventure when we shot, you know, without him sharing the script, right. in chronological order for over 20 weeks. <laughs> so there were all these elements that were so particular to the process. And, and that's why we all grew together and worked together so well. Mm-hmm. And in the moments where it was the most difficult, where where some, like maybe our crew members were struggling and trying to figure out what I supposed to wanted, that's where I really came in. And I think that my expertise, my PhD in Alfonso, really served me well. Because I was like, I can predict that one. I know him well enough that right. I know how to fix this one. You're the Alfonso so, whisperer. That, that, I think, was my, my, yeah, that was, that was my producing, like, I <laughs> um, I do love that. He he does seem to be such a, an incredibly specific uh, and innovative filmmaker to work for. Um, you know, working with him, you were an associate pre- producer on Gravity and then to come on to a movie for, like, the difference between a movie like Gravity to, to Roma, I mean, you couldn't get two more different films in a way. Um were you ever concerned uh, at any point 
being on Roma and being the producer of any of the things you had to pull together or you know at the end of the day it's a very very specific vision and uh and you're working with a lot of newcomers were there any concerns or worries or uh, or are you kind of used to to being thrown in on the deep end here Oh, I was concerned every single day. From the moment I woke up all the morning until I went to bed, it never went away. And not only, um, I have to say that maybe it, on paper it might seem that the, the newcomers, like the talent that had never, the actors that had never done it before, mm-hmm. were going to be a challenge. But that quickly turned out to be not the case. They okay. were embracing all the projects. So that wasn't a concern. I was more worried about the elements that needed to come together right. and keeping a budget together and keeping the crew motivated and all these other factors that needed to happen every day on top of the normal everyday producing of of a new shoot of elements that need to be present and all the hiccups that happen all the time but my biggest concern was in this case as both so was not only you know producing it writing it editing but on set he was also photographing and directing it right like there were times where I was like oh where's Chivo because I felt <laughs> that it was it was a hard it was a hardship for him sometimes yeah. to um, you know separate the two roles it's, yeah we, we found a system that worked really well where he would set up the scene with stand-ins and mm-hmm. then get all the camera movements and all the lighting and everything ready and then come in you know like put his director hat on the minute the actors walked in the set Right. So we managed to find that balance, but there were times where where I thought, okay, like I really need to just be on it and not let him down right. because he's got so many roles in this project. Wow. Yeah, I I feel like you probably were the person who had to really keep uh everything running very smoothly. Yeah, and I was I had the amazing support of Nicola Celis, my co-producer. Yes. Um because this was my first time producing, but Nico had already produced, I don't know, over uh, 15, 20 films mm-hmm. um in different capacities, and he had already um briefly worked with Alfonso when he produced the Cierto when that's what on film. Yeah. Um and and the honest with Nico on this amazing balance where we we managed to divide our responsibilities really well mm-hmm. um and complement each other and that gave me a lot of sort of strength and security to know that I could focus on what I needed to focus mm-hmm. and he would focus on his stuff and between the two of us gave Alfonso everything he needed Okay. Well, so I mean, this has all led to a really exciting moment for you because you're the first Latina woman to be nominated uh in the best picture category. Yes. It's really exciting. I mean, to be really honest, I don't, you know, like I don't know how to take that in the sense that I I I recognize the the importance of it, mm-hmm. but I also, you know, like I don't know what it feels to be a man. I don't know like why it feels to be a woman. I I, I just feel honored and grateful, and I am amazed. And I'm assuming that probably a guy would feel the same way. But right. on the other hand, um, if it's something, if 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 acknowledging that is something that will encourage young. Latino women mm-hmm. that feel that maybe you know it's not worth it to take this career or mm-hmm. it's not something that they feel is a possibility and yet they want to mm-hmm. um, embrace this career in their lives and this gives them hope or gives them strength or gives them the 
courage to go ahead and do it, then yeah. I'm happy to take on, you know, like represent that. Yeah. Because, yes, it's, you know, like I'm here, but it, it's been a, an enormous amount of work. And and I believe that, you know, hard work um, pays off in yeah. the sense that, you know, you get the opportunity to create great projects. But yeah. for me, it, it was Roma. Uh, which I think is kind of, you know, I think it's incredible, uh, you know, what what your your being up there means. But I also just think it, you've clearly done so much work to carve your own trajectory here. So that's also incredible to see. You know, one thing on on Oscar night, obviously, you know, Roma is up for best picture. It's been a very strong contender. Uh, if it does win, that's you know that's going to be you know the producer's moment on on the stage um have you thought about that and you know is there anything that if you get that moment is there anything you've thought about what you would like to say when you get that get up on the stage have you have you thought about any of that oh god not at all i'm hoping that if you get to that moment i both of them will be talking i really i don't know I'm just really, to be honest, honest, and um, it's just, I'm so excited that we're going to be there, and we're all going to be there together, yeah. so many of us, and we're going to celebrate, and we already feel like this is a party, you know, like, yeah. we already are overjoyed, and so whatever happens, I mean, those, that next sort of phase, if we win or not, or that, that moment in the ceremony, it's more a celebration for all of us together than anything mm-hmm. else, so I think that... We're already so happy with everything that's happened and how far we've taken this movie and the way it's been embraced that, I don't know, it's just, um, it's exciting. So I'm not even thinking of pieces or anything like that. I know what I'm going to wear though. So that, that I thought about. How about that? Well, that's good. What, can you give us a, can you give, can you tease what you're going to wear? <laughs> Yeah, I, um, I'm from Venezuela, and there's an amazing Venezuelan designer called Marina Torres, and she's making my dress. I love so I that. Something cool. I told her I want to be really comfortable, yeah. and um, I don't want to be cold. So, we'll <laughs> Those are those are important things to think about. Um, you know, I'd love to just uh, I'd love to just ask you now that you can reflect on kind of you know six six or so months of the film's journey. Why do you think this movie, which is you know a black and white period film, you know shot on a on a very small budget, uh, set in Mexico, um, how why do you think it's been able to resonate and transcend? Um, so many geographical boundaries in the way that it has? Um, well, I I think there are two things. Mm-hmm. One is, um, I think that also was very, very honest in the way he told the story. And and that sincerity and that, that raw honesty you can see in the film, mm-hmm. um, I think transcends. Uh, beyond cultural boundaries. I think that connects to people. I think this is a story that is about everything and yet about nothing. Mm-hmm. And and that's where I think we can all relate as human beings. And, uh, and you know, the amount of details and, and all those uh, particular intertwined, I guess, little things that happen with the family internally, that's something that we can all relate to regardless of where we're from. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's something for everybody, and and, and I think that's that's an important aspect of it. On the mm-hmm. other hand, 
Um, even though we had a very limited budget in making this film, we had an immense amount of support from many companies in Mexico and abroad that worked really hard to give us also the best technical elements available mm -hmm. in the market so that um, the, the technical aspect, the look of it, the color correction, the camera that we use, the visual effects, all of it mm -hmm. is top rate. It, it's the best that is available. Mm -hmm. And this was people and companies that said, we want to support you because of who you are, because we believe in the project. And they, you know, sacrificed financial gain on it mm -hmm. to support our phone. So this was honestly a collective effort so that we could have this movie that is intimate, um, beautifully shot film uh, have both things. Have mm -hmm the honesty and true telling that Alfonso wanted in the in the story mm -hmm. and the technical elements that, that make it so amazing when you look at it. And you also have the Netflix of it all, um, which uh, allows you, um, I guess, to reach this huge audience. But, you know, if this movie um, does win uh, in these key categories, it's going to be Netflix's first wins in those categories as well. So so how has that relationship been with uh, for you guys working with Netflix? I have to say that in our experience, that's just been an amazing Mm -hmm. They came into the project, um, um, you know, they, they licensed the film as distributors when the film was almost finished. Mm -hmm. And from the first day, I thought it was adamant that he wanted a theatrical release mm -hmm. in, you know, accompanied by the platform release. Because, like you were saying at the beginning, this is a black and white film with uh, first-time actors, mm -hmm. with in Spanish and mixteco. So it didn't necessarily have the elements that you would think uh, that in the movie industry would be considered as a major success in mm -hmm. the box office. So the fact that Netflix came in, not only did they embrace the film, they were completely in agreement with Alfonso in combining the theatrical release with the platform release and aggressively campaigned for it. They, they did an amazing job in, in making the world aware that the movie was there. We took it to festivals. Mm -hmm. They, you know, they, they, they made an amazing campaign publicity-wise. Mm -hmm. So all in all, I think the partnership has been spectacular. They have supported us. They have supported us both and they have supported the film. Mm -hmm. so honestly, we couldn't be more happy. That's amazing. Well, I just love that, like, any time we talk about you know Roma and and whenever I'm talking to anybody like whether my family in England and talking about Roma, it's so easy to be like hey and by the way it's on Netflix so you can go watch it right now. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah, it so makes it many, easy. Many people, um, and I and I've noticed that many people have only in their towns like big multiplexes or no cinemas at all. Yeah. So yeah, there are people that even if we really have wanted to see the movie in the cinema, they wouldn't have had the option. Right. They would have had to another go to another city or another state. Um, so it, it's great that Netflix has created this, and and we also worked really hard to give the audiences a seat in a platform the best possible experience. Mm -hmm. I also did a special. Um, color correction and a special sound mix for the platform different from the theatrical one right. so that it can maximize all the elements and all the tools mm -hmm. so that 
And finally, the last thing I kind of want to ask you about is um, is basically the broader resonance of a story like Cleo's uh, and what it means, um, especially in America today, where there are such um, fractures between the U.S.-Mexico relationship. Um, what does it mean to have a story like this uh, elevated uh, at the Oscars level? Well, I think it's incredible for two reasons. As we were saying before, it wasn't the intention to make this a story where Leo's character um, and her story would create any kind of social impact. Mm-hmm. Yet it did in an amazing way because what what happened since the movie came out is there's this amazing movement in the U.S. and in Mexico mm-hmm. uh, regarding domestic workers' uh, laws and, mm-hmm. and how they are changing, as well as the identity of so many indigenous women who see themselves in Cleo not only as a not only as, as a Galicia representing Cleo and Galicia being an indigenous woman that is now sort of a, 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 a well-known actress that has portrayed a role that is so important in such a film, mm-hmm. but also the character that that someone that is a domestic worker, somebody that is indigenous, can be a strong female, can be leading in the family, can be acknowledged in a way. So yeah. I think um, it, it's had an impact, I think, in many ways, mm-hmm. uh, socially, politically, and, and even in the intimate, um, I, I want to say like the self-esteem or, 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 the, or the self-conscious of, of, mm-hmm. of women that are not necessarily portrayed ever in the mm-hmm. No, that's amazing. Um, well, thank you so much for your time. It's great to, to hear from, you know, someone who does have a PhD in Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> that was Gabriela Rodriguez, who produced Roma, along with writer-director Alfonso Cuaron. Uh, another producer nominated this year, perhaps with a bit more name recognition, at least in certain circles that I think do not often overlap with Oscar nominees, but people who are passionate about uh, Marvel and other comic book adaptations is Marvel's president, Kevin Feige. If Black Panther wins Best Picture, he'll be on stage to accept. Our colleague, EW senior writer, Anthony Bresnikan, talked to Kevin about this, which is his first Academy Award nomination, uh, who should get to speak if Black Panther does win. And I, I don't think this is much of a spoiler alert, but he really, really, really loves working with Ryan Coogler. Here's Kevin Feige. <laughs> two titles from Marvel Studios uh, at the uh, Academy Awards this year. But Black Panther is really, man, uh, the the presence Wakanda is going to have there is huge. It's up for seven Academy Awards, including Best Picture. You had your premiere for Black Panther at the Kodak Theater. And on the 24th, you're going to be back in the same place. Is that just me or does that have a a kind of like emotional resonance? Well, it's everything. Everything about this movie has emotional resonance. It's, Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's incredible in the full circle. I actually hadn't thought about it until you pointed that out right now, but the full circle of that is, is incredible. I think more about my initial meetings with, with Ryan Coogler, initial meetings with, uh, Hannah Beachler and, and uh, Ruth Carter and seeing now their nominations and they're mm-hmm. being recognized for the spectacular work that they did on this on this movie. That's what really to me, that's the re- and that was more than a year ago. Obviously, that was that was a number of years ago. But that's what I think about leading up to this movie and leading up to the award show um, uh, in a few weeks. I mean, that's a good point is that it 
you've spent years of your life working on this. I, I think that that might get lost to some people because Marvel operates at such a pace. You know, you have two, three movies a year now. But how far back would you say work began in earnest on Black Panther? I know fans were always asking, when's there going to be a Black Panther? When are we going to see that? Uh, you know, going back years and years and years. But when was it actually in your mind, like, let's, we're going to start, we're going to start moving on this? Well, the notion of bringing T'Challa to the screen and Wakanda to the screen, you know, really goes back to my earliest days at, at Marvel and certainly the earliest days of Marvel Studios 10 years ago, which is why you can see in movies as early as Iron Man 2, mm-hmm. we begin to seed and hint at, uh, at Wakanda uh, and in a, a number of movies since then. But really, it was four years ago, four and a half years ago, mm-hmm. that we announced Black Panther. We announced the date. We announced... Uh, Chadwick Boseman playing the part. So yeah, it's been a good, it's been a good four plus years of active every day uh, working on it to bring it to the screen. And what's this conversation like for you seeing Black Panther nominated, not just at the Oscars, but at other points during awards season, what new perspectives are coming out on the movie? You know, on, on, on the day of the Oscar nominations, you and I spoke and you said the thing you feel and that the team behind Black Panther feels is pride. But is there something, is there anything extra that's come out of this awards conversation around Black Panther that, that you find interesting? I find it all interesting, and pride is still a great word for it, and, and being recognized with the other great films that are nominated this year. And also, I think we talked about Ryan Coogler, filmmaker who had a vision, who wanted to make a film that could play around the world, but could also ask and attempt to answer questions that he'd had on a deeply personal level. And that goes not just to Ryan, but to Ruth and to Rachel, our cinematographer, and to Hannah and to Chadwick and to Michael and to Denai and to Lapita and to Letitia, to the entire cast and crew who saw this as an opportunity that might not come around again, which frankly, we looked at it as, as a movie that, that we dreamed about for years, that we wanted to play around the world, that we wanted to join the pantheon of, uh, of other films that we'd made. But Ryan, stepping into a movie this big, and the crew members that he brought along with him saw it as an opportunity to showcase their talents in a way that hadn't been showcased before. Mm-hmm. And how seriously they took that. Even even down to the, you know, I've talked a lot about uh, the warrior fall sequence, the sequence where M'Baku and T'Challa initially fight for the mantle of King of Wakanda, with all of those extras and all of our leads together. And that was an incredible uh, undertaking to pull that off from the from the giant sets, the real mm-hmm. waterfall, the pool that they that the choreographed fights took place in. But seeing the cast all rally around Ryan to make it as authentic as possible, to bring in a a uh, flavor that could only be felt in a film that was taking place in Africa, and in real time coming up with the chants and coming up with we brought in at their request an expert in in um, African languages and African chants, mm-hmm. and really building that sequence together with Ryan was was amazing and was an early indicator to us that we were doing something that was that was going to stand above yeah. and that everybody was pouring their heart and soul into. Is it a little bittersweet that Ryan didn't get nominated? for director or screenplay? You know, I think it is. I think he deserves it. I think he did a tremendous job. Ryan doesn't feel that way necessarily. Ryan is extremely pleased at the film and would much rather, if you were to ask him, much rather his crew members be uh, be recognized, which yeah. so many of them were. So he's over the moon about that. Yeah, he's a big-hearted guy. But I imagine for his team and for you as uh, as one of the leaders of Marvel and the, you know, the producer of this movie that uh, – 
I guess he is he is along for the journey, uh, but still, it, it would be nice to see him singled out too. Because uh, you and you and I were talking last time about this movie and that sense that it's really uh, you strip away all of the action and adventure and uh, the superhero tropes, and it's a story of am I my brother's keeper? And I feel like that's a theme he's explored in Fruitvale Station, in Creed. Exactly. You know, these common exactly themes right. about family, about expectation, about following the path that others have set and f finding your own. Um, it seems like the, you know, his previous movies and black Panther, although they might appear to be very different actually are, are kind of uh, have, have a, a similar ideas that he's exploring just from different directions. I think that's right. And I think, uh, you know, people ask about, uh, about the, the history um, making nomination for best picture, black Panther. And to me, it's, it's less about uh, Marvel studios, first best picture nomination and more about Ryan Coogler's. Mm -hmm. This is a this is Ryan Coogler's best picture. This is I love this notion of this young man growing up in Oakland who comes to Hollywood and works with a big studio and makes a big budget entertainment driven production that plays around the globe and he bookends it with this very personal journey in Oakland nonetheless. The way the movie's bookended yeah. starts and finishes in Oakland um, <clears throat> and uses a big Hollywood canvas to tell an incredible personal story, mm -hmm. which for me are the, are my favorite types of movies, my favorite types of movies to make my favorite types of movies to watch. I, I just love his literal personal story about this movie. Uh, you and I, I think it was back when the trailer was first coming out. I sat with you at Marvel studios in Burbank and, and, and Ryan, and, and you guys kind of walked me through the trailer and, and some of the things you were doing. And, and Ryan told this beautiful story about being a kid and getting into comics because he heard Stan Lee was inspired by Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. And he wanted to check out, you know, Bishop and the X-Men. And he went into Dr. Comics and Mr. Games in Oakland and said, like, point me to the black superheroes. And they were like, all right, let's introduce you to Black Panther. And when he got that, that job, uh, and I think, he, I mean, you, you've probably heard him tell this story many times when you when you finally offered him the job on Black Panther, he went back to that comic shop. And uh, I think that that kind of personal story must be, you must know when you're a producer, you've got the right filmmaker when, when that's the background of the guy you're hiring to tell this story, right? Well, it was amazing. And by the way, you're reminding me, you've been with us every step of the way on this. <laughs> right. Anthony. You were there at the El Capitan. We announced this, I right? Was. You were there. Yeah. You're right there with Ryan and I, when, when we uh, debuted the trailer, um, and I spoke to you the morning of the of the nominations. So I am, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty cool. It is fun, um, fun to be along for the ride, you know, <laughs> it is. Tell me about it. It's, it's amazing. Um, the, yes, the first two things he did once he literally signed on the dotted line was go to his childhood comic book shop and, and take a picture of himself in front of it, holding a black Panther comic that he, that he sent to, uh, to myself and to Nate Moore here at Marvel Studios. The second thing he did was say, I need to go to Africa. I can't make a movie about the continent without ever having been there. And that is, it is very unusual to send a filmmaker on a three-week scout uh, before one word has been written on the, on the script. We'd never done that before. The importance of that, he made very clear to us. It was very apparent. And that trip, that three weeks that he spent, I contend was the most important three weeks of this movie mm -hmm. and should go down and should go down in history as, uh, uh, you know, one of the, one of the best personal journeys ever, ever taken. He went, explored numerous countries in and around South Africa and came back with a, and again, I won't speak for him. He's much more eloquent, um, about the journey than I am without question, but costume designs, um, 
uh, locations, the entire sense that J- the Jabari are based in snow-capped mountains, so much specific imagery and thematics that are in that film came from from that very first trip that he took uh, once he got the job. And he went with the whole team? He had uh, Hannah and, and Ruth, or did he do that solo? And that that was a second trip. The first one was the first one he uh, he met up with some people, but the first one was himself. Yeah, and then there was a subsequent one with his team. Yeah, um, there's a lot of talk about the, the this being the first superhero movie nominated for a, a best picture award. Um, uh, that's kind of mind blowing to me. I kind of look back and say, really, like Richard Donner's Superman didn't didn't do it, but uh, and people were always were shocked that The Dark Knight didn't get it, but. Um, what is it about Black Panther that you think finally broke through that barrier in the minds of Academy voters, at least? Well, I think it's the the, the way in which Ryan wove in his very mm-hmm. personal story. Mm-hmm. You know, the, you look at all the films nominated this year, and there and 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 so many of them are based on on very particular and personal uh, journeys. And and Black Panther is absolutely that. Um, again, on a very big uh, canvas. And wielding the power of that canvas, frankly, can sometimes be harder than uh, than doing it on a smaller personal scale. And Ryan uh, mastered both, was able to step into this and provide um, a rousing, cheerworthy, chill-inducing, uh, event-making experience, while at the same time telling this personal story with these questions that he'd been wrestling with for his entire life. And certainly doing it with, with a cast... Um, uh, that you haven't seen on a scale this big before and seeing the world respond to it. The other nominations are also groundbreaking. You've got Hannah Beachler, uh, you know, getting a, a production design nomination, the first African-American woman to get such a nomination in that category. Um, you know, Ruth, Ruth Carter's been nominated before, but that's also uh, an important category, costume design. Um, yes. So much creativity and heart went into this. But it, it's also, uh, you know, I, I, when I spoke to, to Hannah about it on Nominations Day, she said, uh, my son used to ask me, how can you change the world, mom? And now I can look at him and say, this is how. Uh, that must feel good for you, too, you know, helping put together this team and, and seeing people like that show become role models in a way for, 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 for people who say, usually folks like me don't do this kind of work. But now I see people who come from my background who are at the top of their game in this field. Well, it's overwhelming. And the truth is we were very, very lucky that uh, Hannah and Ruth uh, were willing to, uh, to uh, um, uh, give us their time and their talents on, onto this movie. And I, and I think both of those people um, – are going to change the world in many other ways as well. I think Hannah is going to, uh, uh, you, you know, start doing work on real cities and designing uh, uh, things that change the way we live going going forward. She's a very special, uh, very uh, uh, talented and visionary person. Uh, and again, that comes back to Ryan Coogler asking us to uh, to meet with him. Mm-hmm. And uh, we rarely say no to a filmmaker, but the truth is, we traditionally are comfortable hiring filmmakers that haven't necessarily worked on. A production as big as the one we we're asking yeah. them to, to come do for us. Um, and one of the re- things that gives us comfort is we surround them with, with people who've done the job before. We surround them with production designers and cinematographers and stunt teams and, and costume designers who have, who have worked um, on this scale before. Um, Ruth had to a certain extent, Hannah had not, Rachel had not. And Ryan just asked us to meet. He goes, you know, there might be other candidates out there, but I asked you to at least uh, sit down with him. We said, absolutely, of course. And sure enough, 
um, uh, they blew us away. And Hannah put together the greatest production design presentation we'd ever seen. And, and, and we said yes, either in the room or as soon as we walked out of the room with Ryan. And she continued to deliver every day. Being the producer of the film, that's the Best Picture Award is given to the producer. You're the only name on that card when they open the envelope. Sometimes that means you're the last person we hear from on the Oscar telecast. In your chance on stage, you know, I don't want to jinx it or anything, but if you get that chance to speak to the world from that platform, what do you feel is an important thing to say? You don't have to give away your speech necessarily, but but uh, obviously you want to thank the uh, the other people who made this film happen. But beyond that, what do you personally want to say? It, it is uh, it is one name on that card, but obviously that represents everybody who made the movie, and that represents every single person who poured years of their lives into the movie. The other uh, uh, creative uh, team here at Marvel Studios, Ryan without question, um, who, uh, who needs to be there and who is, who is, will be attending the awards, um, mm -hmm. and, uh, and the entire cast and, and the entire crew. To me, that is what's most important. Mm -hmm. That movie, the nomination, whatever happens past the nomination is due to, to their efforts. And the notion of, of, of the Academy recognizing, even with, with this nomination, um, this movie and that this movie represents, um, you know, so much that's so much that's important in the world, yeah. not, not just today, but always. And mm -hmm. uh, and that this film, not only in its success, but in the recognition of the Academy uh, really means something. It means something. It means something for for representation. It means something to be uh, to be celebrated. This movie uh, um, that features so many people of color and was made by so many people of color and made by so many men and so many women pouring their pouring their vision and their artistry into it that's what that's what it represents that's what i would spend my uh 45 seconds talking about uh -huh. so you get a chance there to talk but do you think it's important also to to pull up somebody who's uh who's not white to speak about the film in that moment would, would you try and pull ryan up to the microphone he will have no choice he, he, will, he will he will he he will i yes yes without question without question because it it is uh ryan's film and it is Ryan's yeah. achievement, um, along with everybody else. So, so it would it would be uh, it would be a must. I would ask him very kindly to uh, to be there, and 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 then not so kindly just push him if you have to. <laughs> he's, although he's not shy. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I think the cast would do that for me. I think they'd pick him yeah. up and, and, and carry him up onto that stage. The awards speeches uh, they can have a profound impact like people will remember them for years if they're good you know uh, if, if you just rattle off a list of names sometimes uh it the orchestra starts playing a little early but i thought chadwick's speech uh -huh. at the uh, at the sag awards was like, a, kind of an amazing moment right spectacular spectacular off the cuff off the cuff from the heart um and and impressive and 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 dare i say kingly and represents why he is who he is and, and can achieve what he's achieved. Yeah. Uh, not just in, in this film, but in, in every film he's made. It's not always the job of the actor to talk about the deeper meaning of a film. You know, they show up and they, they read other people's words, they take direction, they, they contribute their part to it, but, but oftentimes they're asked to be the spokesman for the film. And uh, it seems like you have a great one with Chadwick. And I guess that's, like you say, that's part of the reason he got cast in the role, because he just embodies that. Um, that sense of leadership and and uh, and responsibility and and uh, and insight, right? He he he, one hundred percent does. And you've heard you've heard uh, uh, many 
uh, members of our cast who can speak just as eloquently and just as passionately about this about this um, journey and about this film. But seeing Chad step up to the mic that night at the SAGs, that's been the highlight for me so far on this entire surreal, fun, um, humbling experience of the uh, of the award circuit is seeing our cast go up there and be recognized and, and receive that uh, ensemble award. It's just, you know, it was just amazing. Uh, that's an example of it working really well. But as a producer, you, it must make you nervous, especially since you have so many movies, so many different actors. Uh, one false move or one bad remark in a either a, on stage or in an interview can cause a lot of controversy does that uh give you an upset stomach thinking about the way social media sometimes reacts to the things actors say or, or uh, uh you may have no control of well yes i mean it's it's fun to to have as much control over things as you can but you know that that's not possible with today's social media sentiment but yeah. we've been very lucky with our with our cast a, a very honorable and thoughtful um, and uh, an eloquent group, mm -hmm. uh, particularly in Black Panther, but across the board. Yeah. Well, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know is not in your nature. And um, you're a very humble guy and you've had tremendous success. And I think the more successful you are with Marvel Studios, the uh, you're, you're always keen to hand off uh, credit to other people. But uh, if you could just tell me something that you feel as a producer of this film was your, your greatest contribution to black Panther. And you've, you've given credit to, to all of the other people who've, who've poured their hearts into this, but, but where's your heart in black Panther? What do you see on screen and say, I did that? Well, you know, it, it, I often say, you know, producer, producer does all of it and none of it. <laughs> and my biggest sense of pride in that movie is that it exists, mm -hmm. is that it was made, was that it was, was um, brought to the world. Uh, and that the team that was assembled, right? We use the word assemble a lot at Marvel, yeah. and it's about assembling a, a team. And, and that's not just Ryan and, and Hannah and Ruth and the people we're discussing, but it's Nate Moore, our executive producer of Black Panther, who took those early meetings with Ryan Coogler and was there every step of the way with Ryan during the making of the film, who's worked for us for many, many years at, uh, at Marvel Studios, and Ludi Esposito and Victoria Alonso, um, our, our internal team at Marvel Studios, and then the team that all of us assembled uh, for the film itself. That's where I take uh, great pride in, uh, in that, that the mere existence of the film is because of the years spent building that team together and, and believing that uh, this film should be made. You know, uh, somebody also needs to be mentioned, of course, and who I'm very thankful for and think about a lot is Stan Lee mm -hmm. and Jack Kirby, yeah. who created this character in the mid-60s. And did a pretty amazing thing by bringing this um, hyper-intelligent, uber-wealthy African into the United States to basically show up uh, the Fantastic Four uh, yeah. in, in, in his first appearance. And that was amazing. And all of the writers and artists that continued to build on that legacy over the years uh, of the comics, allowing us and allowing Ryan and Joe Robert Cole, his co-writer, to, uh, to bring uh, the script to life the way they did it's funny you look back at some of those stan soapbox columns he'd he'd write back in the 60s and 70s and occasionally he'd get letters from people asking well why do you feel you have to put serious themes in here and talk about race and talk about um uh, civil rights and things like that and use these comic book stories to tell that and he he was unabashed about saying i feel like that's part of my job that's my duty is to tell a story that has some deeper meaning and still be entertaining, number one, because otherwise you're not going to 
care to hear that message or have it absolutely right. accepted. But it feels like that's something you have carried on from his tradition. And I know you two are very close, but uh, do you see that as part of your mission as the head of Marvel Studios, as the producer of these movies to bring that same sense of, uh, I guess, great power comes great responsibility to borrow a phrase? Well, a hundred percent. And, and, and those, so some of those stand soapboxes are, uh, are, uh, are going to last through the ages as his characters and stories have, because they're so timely and so relevant and I think will be, uh, forever. And so unabashedly, uh, honest and true and using your platform and using your canvas, um, whether it's a big film screen or a, or a, or a typewriter, uh, and a script, uh, to, uh, to tell stories that can move the world and can change the world. Yeah. And I enjoy doing that with stories that also entertain the world at the same time. Um, otherwise, yeah, the, the audience won't be there. <laughs> you, you, there, there won't be, there won't be people to, 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 to teach or to change or to inspire if they're not in the, in the theater. So one of the last things I want to ask you is a tradition that some people may know about and some people may not is that when you're nominated at the Academy Awards, you get to go to a big nominees luncheon. Uh, which they just recently had. And one of the things I think is cool about this is it takes place, you know, about a month or so before the awards. So there's competitiveness, but but it's meant to encourage a kind of uh, uh, friendship among the nominees. And they mix you up so that you don't have the Black Panther team all sitting together. They they scramble it uh, with a... Um, so that all people from all different films are sitting at different tables together. And I wondered what... Uh, did you, you went to that, ex- that uh, luncheon, right? And what was your experience like there? I did go. Yeah, I'd never been before. I thought it was uh, it was wonderful, actually. And and part of what made it wonderful was exactly what you're saying. Um, uh, everybody's everybody's sort of intertwined and intermixed, and you get to see um, all the amazing people who were responsible for all the nominated films. And then you stand for a photo, which, as you know, is my least favorite thing in the world. Yeah. Is, uh, <laughs> is, uh, is standing for a photo, but. Uh, uh, you stand on these risers and it takes quite a while as, as, as every, you know, however many few hundred people it yeah. is that's, that's announced. And what's wonderful is everybody is mixed in together. So, so you have a producer, a star, a sound mixer, a visual effects supervisor, um, uh, uh, best short documentary filmmaker all together. And, and my experience was everybody had the same um, demeanor, which was, excitement, a little bit of nerves and, uh, and sort of gratitude. And that was great. And, and, and I happened to uh, be placed right next to Lady Gaga, <laughs> who, um, uh, who was very, very, very kind and very nice, uh, to me. But a lot of people sort of pointed out that I was standing next to Lady Gaga. I think so much. So I think my tombstone might say he stood next to Lady Gaga, <laughs> once. um, which is pretty cool, but it was, but we, uh, uh, said a few uh, uh, pleasantries to each other, but it did seem that we all were that same amount of like, I can you believe we're mm-hmm. standing here? And that was pretty cool when uh, the people like Glenn Close and Sam Elliott and these and these giants of the business there as well. But everybody felt like they were a tiny bit nervous and a tiny bit uh, uh, overwhelmed. Yeah. So that that was fun, sort of momentarily being in that company. That's wonderful, Kevin. Man, I, I wish you a lot of luck, and I hope you have a great time that night. Uh, have a great Oscar evening. All right. Good talking to you. Thanks so much. And thanks for being uh, with us for so much of this journey. Happy really appreciate to be it. Along. Take care. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you to Kevin Feige, president of Marvel. And thank you to Anthony Bresenkin for that interview. 
that's our show. Thank you, Pia and Bill, for joining me today and so many times over the course of this award season. Thank you yes. for having us. Yes, on to the big show. <laughs> you can always find complete awardist coverage on EW.com and in the magazine. We'll be back next week with our reactions to the Oscars. Also, be sure to keep an eye on EW's Twitter and Instagram. Sunday night, we'll be uh, retweeting or reposting anything Pia and Bill can find take pictures of during those commercial breaks, all of their commentary, um, in addition to the rest of our coverage. Uh, please subscribe, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you're listening. While you're at it, check out our TV Critics new podcast, Best of Shows, with Kristen Baldwin and Darren Franich. This week, they are talking about Doom Patrol, Umbrella Academy, Flack, I'm sorry. It's a very fun show. If you love television, you should check it out. Thank you, as always, for joining us here on The Awardist from EW.